On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Welcome to St. Bart's. Uh, my name is Dave. If you're visiting for the first time, especially warm welcome to you. And uh, you'll see if you're a regular, um, you'll see that we, things are a bit different this morning. Um, we've changed the colors from green to red, which is the height of our audiovisual experience. Um, the smoke machine is broken, so no, we've never had one. Um, because we're, for us, it's a sign of signaling that though we are in ordinary time, we believe that God is doing something very uh, special in our midst, and it's also, uh, next Sunday is St. Bart's Fest, which is the, like the day we celebrate ourselves, kind of like a birthday, and uh, I've been known to celebrate my birthday for weeks on end, so I figured, why not do it for the church? And to help us in that, I want to introduce to you a friend of mine, um, Emmy Wilson. Emmy, would you join me? Um, the great challenge will be sharing this podium, as you'll see. Um, and uh, Emmy uh, was here yesterday. Uh, she arrived, when did you arrive? Thursday. And there was a woman's retreat here next door yesterday, and where you spoke, and uh, we're, we're about to have a conversation now on the gospel passage. But, um, and first of all, thank you for all of all those who helped with the women's retreat yesterday. Rachel, Hannah, I see you there. Um, there are a number of others. The moment I start to thank individuals, I'll forget your name, so it's not intentional. But um, Emmy, welcome. You've come all the way from... Uh, London. From London. And uh, welcome back to Texas. Thank you. This is your third time in Dallas. It is my third time, but my first time at St. Bart's. And Emmy and I have known each other since, I was trying to think of when we first met, I think it was 2009. And um, just, it's just been incredible to have you here in this short time. Um, Emmy and I share something in that we're both mentored by the same man, uh, a wonderful man who's still alive today at 100 and... No, he's 96. Well, my math's never been good. Um, uh, a lovely... He's still old. He's, yes, isn't he just, yeah. but glorious. Uh, John Collins, um, it was a, uh, you, some of you may have heard of Holy Trinity Brompton. Uh, John Collins is one of the most significant, understated leaders in, in the church. And uh, not, he didn't mentor us at the same time. There was a bit of a gap, not much, um, but mentored you. And then, um, and tell us, how did you, uh, when you started going to Holy Trinity Brompton, which is the church in London, just near Herod, some of you may know Herod's as a landmarker, um, you started going to church there. What was the church like at the time? Uh, in 1980, when I first started going there, the church was very formal. The morning service had a robe choir, um, all the clergy wore robes. 
and uh, it was liturgy, etc. And the evening service, they decided to just start to play a guitar, which was unheard of. Um, and then that began to grow. And John Collins was the vicar at the time. Um, but then in 1982, things changed. And tell us, uh, they changed because you had a visitor come to the church from California. We did. John Collins really felt that the church needed to move forward. And so he started to ask around who of all the leaders that people had met could be invited who would help us in that process. And the answer was uh, this man called John Wimber, who was a Californian. But uh, the Brits at that point weren't terribly sort of, if I use the word fond of Californians, it was just because they perhaps kept them at a bit of a distance, so... You might was, find it, the Texans are a bit the same. Oh, no, you're much warmer. You're really beautiful, thank you. <laughs> I had to say that. Um, but John uh, Wimber came, and he came uh, to teach us about the gifts of the Spirit. And the night that uh, he first talked to the leaders was um, on healing, and then he opened up the church to everybody else, because I wasn't a leader at that time, and I'll never forget that night. It was hugely significant because it was the first evening I ever experienced the Holy Spirit myself. I had done the Alpha course in 1980. In those days, it was a six-week course. And um, I was a nurse at the time thinking, a bit keen to do six weeks. So I did three out of six. Um, and there was no teaching on the Holy Spirit. But when John Member came, he had a word that night that there was someone in the, in the room who had fallen from a height onto stony ground. And I'd had a serious horse riding accident the year before and damaged my back. And I went forward for prayer. And, but I wanted the gift of healing because that's what he'd been teaching about. And I didn't know that God could do more than one thing at a time. Um, so when the team came up and said, how can we pray? I just burst into tears because I wanted my back healed, but I also wanted the gift of healing. And they were sweet. They said, look, just close your eyes, focus on Jesus, and we'll pray. And I love the, a good two for one. Yeah, two for actually it was three for one because three for what one. happened was I, Even better. I experienced the love of Jesus. It was as if a channel was open between my brain and my heart and God literally poured his liquid love into my heart. Um, and that was my first ever experience of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, I knew that Jesus loved me. It was transformational. But it was also transformational because of what happened to Nikki Gumbel. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and so if you are doing Alpha and you're finding, because we're, this Tuesday is week six, you find that's been a bit much while well, you're in good company with Emmy. Um, <laughs> and now, okay, so let's turn to the passage. Yes. Um, I've told Emmy she could say whatever she liked, but I, I do like to keep the conversation going. So here we have this passage. Um, so interesting. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's passing between Samaria and Galilee, and he enters the village, and he's met by 10 lepers. And um, in other instances, he's touched a leper and he's been healed, but they don't even get close to him, so they're at a distance. And um, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Um, and when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. What leaps out at you there? So have you, let me ask this. Um, in this congregation, knowing most of them, um, we have people in our midst who have had very little experience of the Holy Spirit, and we have people who are here who have um, perhaps experienced some of the excesses of charismania, 
um, and uh, we have um, people who are suffering. And our position here, if you are new, is the beauty of, of our church, and I would say of the Anglican world, is that we hold things in tension. And so we hold our understanding of, of the doctrine of suffering in tension with our understanding that God is one who heals. And ultimately, all will be healed when we see him face to face. And in this time, we do also know that when we pray for the sick, sometimes they're healed, sometimes they're not. And so we hold it in tension and, 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 and kind of abide in that, that, that space of mystery in between. Uh, and, but let me ask you my first question, Emmy, which is, have you ever experienced healing where you've been prayed for? Well, that story is particularly pertinent to me because um, in 96, I had such a severe ear infection that I went completely deaf in my left ear. I was off work for six weeks. I was sick as a dog. I had, it was terrible. And I went to see a specialist and he said to me, um, you're going to have permanent damage. And I was so naive, I didn't realize that permanent damage meant permanent deafness. Um, but people came uh, and prayed for me, laid hands on me, but seemingly nothing happened. Um, and then uh, about five months later, um, Nicky Gumbel, who is, he's just moved on from H to B actually, but he was my leader pastor for, for that time. He came to our staff meeting and he couldn't speak. And I said, Nikki, you've got laryngitis, what happened? He said, no, 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 someone was playing squash with me yesterday and literally thwacked me in the, in the throat uh, and I can't speak. So I said, you need to see an ENT specialist. So I referred him to the man I'd seen. And of course, you know, doctors always say, well, you know, where do you work and what do you do? And it was the specialist who said to Nikki, oh, I saw a patient from your church earlier this year. And I can say it's a miracle that she has started to hear again, and it's an answer to prayer because she should be permanently deaf. And so I was like the, the, the guy who came back and went, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord, when I realized that the hearing had slowly been coming back. But it was so imperceptible, I didn't credit God. Um, but when Nikki told me this story, I went, okay, Lord, thank you, because I can hear completely well in my ear now. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? We, um, we think sometimes things have to happen right away. I've stopped ever praying for patience. My prayer, I'll just confess to you, is that the Lord would give me the ability to make great decisions in haste because I'm just tired of waiting, so Lord, don't give me patience. But uh, anyway, we, we have the sense that if something is to happen, it should happen right away. Mm -hmm. And I love that story yeah. we shared that it... Um, it, it happened over time. And here we see, if you look down in the reading, friends, it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, leprosy, as I'm sure some of you know, uh, covered a whole range of ailments that affected the skin. That just didn't mean they were sick, um, but meant that they were also isolated. And I think what I have, I have, as you know, I mean, as some of you know, I have um, in this last year, um, really s suffered from a, um, an autoimmune disorder that has taught me things about sickness that I never appreciated before, which is how isolating it can be. Now, I'm around people all the time, and I'm an extrovert, um, and I get energized by people. I find being alone exhausting, and yet, <clears throat> in, with this condition, I find often sometimes I don't know how to voice what I'm feeling. And tell us a little bit about here how even just offering prayer breaks down that isolation. 
When we offer prayer, we never know really what's going to happen. Uh, and I think that's the mystery of God, because if we did know, then we would be like robots. Um, but we're doing it out of obedience. You know, he told us to heal the sick. So I remember on a mission once, I was a, it was the first ever mission I did. It was to a little town called Leicester. Uh, and um, there was a word that there was someone in the congregation who had sciatica. And I was asked to go and pray, and this little lady who was about five foot nothing, um, she was about 71 too, um, she had sciatica. And uh, I asked her if she was in pain, and she said yes. So I always asked permission to lay hands, and I asked if I could, and I prayed for a few moments, and then I stopped, I said, How, how's the pain? And she said, it's still bad. And so I prayed some more, and uh, asked her again, and she said, the pain is still there. So I always have, well, I've learnt to ask the Lord, is there anything else he wants to do? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, ask her if, she's, if she would like to receive the gift of tongues. And that was not something I was expecting to hear him request me to do. But I tentatively asked her, because I thought, well, she's been a Christian for a long time. I, I'm sure she probably already does pray in tongues. And her response was, oh, I've always wanted that gift, but I haven't received it. Yes, I'd love you to pray. So we prayed, and I explained how to receive the gift, and nothing happened. And she left that prayer time disappointed. And I was disappointed too, because I asked for two things, prayer for healing and prayer for this gift. Anyway, the next morning, Sunday morning, we were leading the church service, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw her running into church and across to me, and I thought, help, what's she going to say? And she said, do you remember praying for me yesterday? And I said, yes. She said, in the middle of the night, I, I was woken up, and I was sitting bolt upright in bed, and I was babbling away in tongues. And my husband, who doesn't yet know Jesus, sat, woke up and said, what are you doing? And she said, this is a supernatural gift from God. And then she said, when I got out of bed this morning, the sciatica had completely gone, the pain has completely gone. So, so God did it in his timing, and it became a blessing to her husband as well. And of course, 24 hours later, I was absolutely thrilled as she was. Um, Emmy, I know this, because, um, and I wondered if you would share something of it. Emmy has administered in prisons on every continent there is a prison. I don't think there's a prison yet in Antarctica. It's not I, yet. Not yet. Probably one a day. For probably not. Or something. Uh, penguins, yeah. Um, that would be strange. Um, tell us. So you you know, some of us uh, what I love about this church is that we in our midst we have people who are just absolutely excellent with theology. I mean that's why I'm so thrilled with what Chris is doing, getting his PhD and and all of that, and, um, and yet I'm also inspired by people who, uh, like Emmy, go into the darkest of dark situations to make Jesus known, um, really, by praying and, and sharing the gospel. So tell us a little bit where, you know, in prison, um, have you seen the Lord move there in this way with healing? Well, this is another sort of tenepper example of, of not seeing the healing at the time of one of them, but um, I, there was a lady called Mabel who uh, I'd grown to love and used to visit her every week. Uh, she went on weekend leave, got pregnant, had her baby in prison, 
Um, so I used to particularly love visiting her and her newborn baby. And then um, in 1994, uh, uh, there was a new move of spirit, and I actually went out to experience in Toronto this new, new move, and I came back, flew overnight, and um, Monday was my day to visit the prison, and part of me thought I should rest because I've flown overnight, and I thought, no, I've got to go in, into the prison because I was so excited. And I went in and I went to see Mabel, but she was lying in her bed and she couldn't move because she damaged her back and basically her baby um, had to be cared for by other prisoners. I think this is sliding off my ear. Um, so she could see I was really excited and uh, eventually she said, well, aren't you going to pray for me? You know, I need my back healed. So she struggled to go from lying flat on her bed to sit upright so that I could lay my hand on her back. And I just commanded healing uh, and then stopped and said, how's the pain? She said, it's just as bad. So I prayed a bit more, asked her again, just as bad. And then I said, Mabel, I've got to go and see some other ladies now. And as I was about to leave her cell, she said, why don't you go and tell the other women about the experience you've just had of being filled with the Spirit? And I said, but I don't know the other ladies. And she said, well, I think you should. So I came out of her cell with leaving her sitting gingerly on the edge of her bed, down the corridor, round to the left, where the women were all, um, it was sort of tea time, and they were all in a communal area. And I wasn't expecting to do this, but I stood in front of these women I'd never met, and I said, listen everybody, the Spirit of God is moving powerfully all around the world. And before I could finish, Mabel had appeared from her cell, and she was jumping up and down saying, my back, my back, it's healed. And I'd left her sitting on the edge of her bed, barely able to move. And all the women pointed to her and said, that must be God. And I thought, yes, it is God. And then every single woman asked me to pray for them, even though I'd never met them. And one lovely story that came out of it was there was one lady who said, because I just said to each one, what would you like me to pray for? And this one woman said, tomorrow I'm being deported. I'm being sent back to um, Lusaka. Um, I've got this baby here, but please could you pray I go to New York City? <laughs> well, I said, why New York? And she said, well, my husband and two other boys live in New York. So I prayed this prayer, Lord, I don't know how you're going to organize this tomorrow, but please ensure that this lady gets on a plane to New York City and not to Lusaka. Amen. Next Monday I went in, Mabel's back was still completely healed, and I said rather nervously, did you ever hear from that lady who was being deported? Oh, yes, she said. And I said, what happened? And she said, she rang on Wednesday to say, guess what? I'm ringing from New York. And I said, well, how did that happen? And evidently, she was given her boarding pass. She was on the flight to Lusaka. And an official came from behind her, tapped her on the shoulder and said, you're on the wrong flight. Follow me. And they went back up the, the, you know, the channel along the corridor. And basically, she was put on a flight to New York City. Well, I think that's remarkable. I mean, it was such a bizarre answer to prayer, but I think that was a, a wonderful, wonderful yeah. way God moved. You know, it's, um, I think we've all seen something of this happen. I think um, my temptation is the moment I start to think about praying for healing, I, I think about the times that I've prayed and things haven't happened. And I think of sometimes also, 
uh, models of how people have prayed for healing, either for me or for others that have been less than encouraging. So I wonder, would you model for us or um, what it looks like to pray for someone to be healed? Because, um, yeah, there's just such a variety. And, and, I, and my conviction is that religious media hasn't necessarily made this helpful to Christians because we see so many eccentric forms. I couldn't agree more. I, I think the key is to have a model that comes under the leadership of the pastor. So we teach at our church prayer ministry training that we have a model that is acceptable to those who are coming to church because you know you, you observe what's going on around you, don't you? You don't necessarily come forward for prayer if you think it looks a bit wacky or a bit strange. So. Uh, the model is to introduce yourselves, so I would come up to you, although we pray in our church, women with women and men with men, and I would um, ask... We have witnesses. You have you know, witnesses? It'll be safe, yeah. Okay. So I would um, invite, I would ask your name, and you would tell me. David. Uh, David. And then I would say, um, how can I pray? And you might say... Uh, I've been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Okay. Um, and I might ask you, are you in pain at the moment? Not at present. That's, that's great. Um, and then uh, I would always, always say, as I begin to pray, is it all right if I lay a hand on your shoulder? So rather than them sort of closing their eyes and suddenly feeling a hand clap on their head or on their stomach or something, they know that you're going to lay a hand on, on their shoulder. If, if it's something like Crohn's, I might say to, to, to Dave, why don't you just put your hand you know, where you want the healing. Um, and I would just invite the Spirit of God to come. I would suggest the person closes their eyes because, you know, they're receiving and it's easier to receive if they're not sort of looking around and wondering what's going to happen. Um, and then I would wait for the Holy Spirit to, sh to tell me how to pray. Um, and after a while, I'd stop and I'd say to you, how are you feeling? How, are you sensing anything? And you might say, well, it's extraordinary, you know, I'm, as, as I'm putting my hand on my stomach, I'm feeling warmth. And I would then be encouraged that God is moving, and I would say, let's pray a little bit more. Um, but you go with what the Spirit shows you how to pray. Um, but don't do things that are wacky, because if you do things that are wacky, people won't come anywhere near you. Um, but if you receive healing, everybody will get to hear about it because that's what testimony is all about, is telling people that God has moved and that you've received. But being led by the Spirit, you're tuning in one ear to the Holy Spirit and one ear to the person you're praying for. And then you're not offering your own, it's not like, well, yes, my mother had Crohn's and you know, I know what you feel like. And, um, you know, you're not offering your own thoughts. You're, you're always inviting the power of God that is just, as you stretch out your hand, going to come through you and the person receiving receives healing. I was once told years ago um, that the reason I hadn't been healed was because I didn't have enough faith. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's really unhelpful because that puts the effort on you. I mean, providing faith is around somewhere. Sometimes people come forward with a friend and the friend has faith for healing. The faith has to be an ingredient. It can, needs to only be as small as a mustard seed, but never, I mean, I had a sister who had a brain tumor and she was told, well, you've obviously not confessed sin and that's why you've got a brain tumor. And so she would spend night after night after night just awake thinking, who haven't I forgiven or what sin haven't I confessed? We should never put that on people, um, but ultimately, 
We just have to believe that God is going to move. And if you pray for no one, no one gets healed. But if you pray for some, more and more will get healed. What I love the way you described it and with that model, which is the model we have here, is that it really isn't so much about the person praying, but the person receiving. Um, and it's it, it really everything is down to the dignity and pastoral care of the person receiving prayer. Yeah. Um, the other thing that once happened to me is I was being prayed for um, because I, had, I used to have awful eczema. You know, my skin, it was just, just horrific. And I was at this healing service and there's this delightful woman who became, what's the opposite of delightful? Undelightful, as she began to pray with me because she kept exuding pressure on me to go backwards. Oh. And I suddenly realized that if I didn't fall down, this would never end. And so I realized the only way out was to do a courtesy drop. For, so, for, so for her sake, I went down and I felt no better. Shall I, shall I tell you what happened to me once? Yeah. I had a severe headache. This was at a, at a conference. And this person put their finger on my forehead and began to drill as if they were trying to get through to Australia like this. And I thought, because you know, I trained the ministry team how to pray, and I thought, I'm just going to stand here and see how long they do it for. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger. It's quite sore, isn't it? Yeah, it's not very pleasant. Not, <laughs> and I should have just pulled her finger off and say, what are you doing? But you know, that is not a model to drill until you get to Australia. You know, it really isn't. Because you won't get there. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Yeah, what else? Um, so the, uh, just getting back to this, I love the experience here of one, of because um, I think anyone who's suffered or has been sick for any period of time, you begin to think that you're out of God's reach. Yeah. That's been my experience. Um, and here we have the Samaritan who was, Samaritans were seen as people that God wouldn't touch. And we have the Samaritan have this, not only is the Samaritan cleansed and healed, but they have this incredible encounter with Jesus when they come back praising. What, what, what would you say to that? Uh, anyone who has a supernatural healing is bound to understand that it, it's not them that's brought the healing about it. And when they realize it's Christ, you know, you, you then want to connect with him more and more. And that's what I love about, about the testimony we have when, when we receive healing, that it, we just want to tell people about Jesus. And you know, if you become known as a church where you can come and receive healing and, and you go out and go back to work the next day and you say, well, actually, you know, I had severe arthritic pain and it's gone, that will witness to people. And, and that's how the kingdom grows. Um, and, you know, Jesus was so clear in his manifesto in Matthew 28, he said, Go out into all the kingdom, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead. In fact, he said, obey everything I've commanded you to do. And so we're doing it out of obedience to what Jesus asks of us as disciples. Um, and when we do that, the kingdom expands. Um, if you take your bulletin and you go to the uh, last page, well, not quite the last page the penultimate page, page 11, you'll see our vision and values. And um, I don't know if I've shown you this. Well, here, here they are. And um, you'll see that our vision is to connect the people of East Dallas with God and his people so that what we might behold God and become more like him. And one of our values, the fourth down, is wholeness and healing. 
that in Christ we've seen both the face of God and the fullness of our humanity. So we trust God to transform us more and more into his image and likeness. And as we are transformed, we are more and more able to love God and our neighbor. Amen. That good? Yeah. That's pretty good. It was here before I arrived. So it's just, you know, yeah, just it's been part of the church. I did, yeah. And so that's kind of what we're like. So what we're going to do now, I'm just going to ask um, Amy to pray for us, and then we're going to carry on with our service. And um, normally here at St. Barth's, we have prayer ministry offered after communion. We're going to uh, divert from that a little bit this morning, so, you know, stay on your toes. Um, And at the end of the service is when we're going to offer prayer for anyone who would like prayer for healing or anything that you may have come with. And if you're on the prayer ministry team, we're gonna ask you at the end of the service, and I'll direct you, to come down to the front, and uh, as the last uh, closing hymn is being sung, we'll start praying for people, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Emmy, thank you so much. Just to say, it is likely, after this conversation that we've had, that some of us will have all kinds of questions. And um, we love questions at St. Bart's. We feel that the brain is best used like a parachute, open and deployed. (laughs) And we would love you to bring your questions to a couple of things happening. So Emmy's here for another week and a half. And um, uh, we're we're hosting a Holy Spirit Day down at All Saints Dallas on Saturday, on the 15th. And um, that is the perfect time to come hear more about, she referenced the gift of tongues, what is that? I thought I had it because I could swear in French. Um, It's not quite that. Um, It's somewhat different. Um, uh, There's going to be more talk about healing, and Emmy will be speaking and preaching next Sunday as well. Um, And and so there's going to be plenty of opportunity to interact and ask these questions and to engage. Any, Any last thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, encourage one another because as we encourage one another to get involved, then it becomes a community doing it. And I think that's so precious because we realize that we need one another. You know, we all have different gifts. Some have greater faith. Some might start to move in miracles. Who knows? But, you know, we need to exercise all the gifts of the Spirit. Um, so that we can bless one another and then be a blessing beyond. Would you pray for us? I will. Father, thank you so much for every single man, woman, teenager, and child who worships here at this church. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to uh, just fill people with your love and with your power. And I pray, Lord, that this church will increasingly be known for the ministry of Jesus, and that many more in the months and years to come will come here and find not only refuge, salvation, but also healing. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.